listening to Cairo Candy, the podcast of sweet chiropractic success. Here's your host, Billy Sticker. Ladies and gentlemen, help me welcome to the show, Dr. Pete Camiolo. What's happening? Hey, man. Uh, love and life. It was uh, great great to meet you and connect with you out at CairoFest. That was a great, great event. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I tell you what, that was my first time there, and uh, Dr. Reed just does a fantastic job. I mean, great lineup of speakers, um, just great vendors. I mean, it was a really, really good event. I was I was impressed. Yeah, me too. First time there, and uh Lo- loved the content. I love the contrast between there was a lot of science, um, there was philosophy, there was business. It was a real good kind of blend of of kind of everything you need to get uh, when you're when you're trying to be a CEO of a of a healthcare uh, practice and you know change the world. So it was really good. Right. Well, let's get into some of your story. What um, what led you into chiropractic? Um, so long story short is I, I always. Um, you know, I've, I've always, I struggled with school, actually. I struggled with academics growing up, but I was always really motivated by, you know, athletics and, and, uh, and, and people. And so coming towards the end of, you know, my, you know, high school years, realizing athletics probably wasn't going to be my, in my future as far as a, from a professional standpoint, I really had to think about what I wanted to do with my life. And so, um, you know, my, my mom was really, you know, impactful in this and kind of driving more towards the medical field. So I actually studied I became an occupational therapist in my undergraduate, and then I, um, during those years, I realized that I was working very much in a reactive model without being able to articulate that, like I can now. Um, but there was something; it was just these missing pieces. It just wasn't adding up for me. And um, and kind of during that exact same time, I had a brother who suffered with several different conditions while he was growing up, and we were while we were both growing up, and he ended up in um, in Mexico at the Gershon Institute, which you may have heard of that place. Uh, where they work with people who have cancer. Now, he didn't have cancer. He had a, um, a liver cirrhosis, uh, and it was, a, it was a symptom or side effect of taking medications for many years due to asthma and migraine headaches. Um, so essentially, he went through very much of a detox protocol, nutrition, and then we were introduced to chiropractic. So I kind of had this very holistic view of there is an approach out there that can actually help people because he actually was healed through that model um, after a decade of going to the medical doctors, you know, and, and not getting well, um, actually getting worse, um, he was actually healed going through more of the, the, what we would call now the vitalistic model, that holistic approach. So being a kid in high school and then in college watching this whole thing happen, um, you know, what impacted me most was the lifestyle change that he made and wanting to be a part of actually being a lifestyle kind of doctor. And so, chiropractic was the perfect fit for me. I didn't have my own personal like journey of hurting myself, but I watched my brother with a very much a visceral condition. He didn't have neck pain or back pain, none of those things, but uh, organ problems being healed through chiropractic and lifestyle. And that inspired me. And then watching the more of the uh, allopathic kind of reactive model that I was working in as an occupational therapist, which again, there's a lot of validity and need for the practitioners doing that work, but it didn't inspire me. Um, that I started to investigate chiropractic and ended up uh, finishing my occupational therapy degree and my residency, but applying to chiropractic school, going through the process of, you know, going into chiropractic school. So that, that's kind of how I got to make, making that decision. Now you were a CA at first. Yeah. So 
uh, after I made the decision to um, go chiropractic, I thought, you know, it would be a really good idea to learn about what I'm about to do. So I, funny, I didn't actually become a chiropractic patient. I actually went to work for a chiropractor who we knew from our church in our town who my parents um, didn't go to. They went to a different chiropractor, but it was a guy who, you know, he had done some work with the youth group. So I just was like, well, reach out to him. So when I reached out to him, you know, he brought me on board and I was a CA, exactly. And I worked the front desk and he had me do a little bit of tech stuff in the back with some exams because I was a actual, you know, occupational therapist. So I had, a, you know, a degree in working with patients from a clinical side. So I did a work, I worked for him for about a year and um, was exposed to, I went to a few seminars during that year. So I got to see chiropractic like on a bigger scale. And uh, so I did that for a year before I went to school. And then I went out to Northwestern Health Science University in the Twin Cities, well, Bloomington, and studied there, um, completed my degree out there, had some great experiences doing internships there. Uh, actually, had an internship with um, Stu and Terry Warner, who are Kids Day America founders. Uh, I worked with them. I did my preceptor with them in South Jersey. Um, and then after that, actually, I became an associate in the, in the practice of the doctor. I worked as a CA. And then during that time, I realized, you know, I really wanted to own my own practice. That's that's what kind of led me then to the journey of going out and, and opening my practice. Share some of the story that you shared at CairoFest, um, you know, because some people, and you and I talked about this, is actually me, you, and Tabor just standing down the hall. You know, some people are great at school and uh, they just assume they want to be in business or they want to own a practice, but you know, it, it's not as always as rosy as what they think it's going to be. Share your side of that story. Yeah, I, I mean, here, here's the deal, Billy, long and short of it. You know, I went to school for whatever, nine years total, uh, you know, Cairo, Cairo and postgrad, all that stuff. And I learned nothing about business other than an hour course, a few trimesters of my education. My brother went to full-time business school, graduate degree in business. I asked him, I said, you know, how many people graduating business school actually go out and open a business, actually open a practice of some sort? And from your graduating class, how many did that? And he said, no one. They all went to work for a business. And what's interesting is that chiropractors and physicians in general are trained as technicians. They learn a trade, a craft, and then they actually leave school with an expectation that unless you want to go work for somebody, you need to go out and open your own practice. And, and that, those are really your two options. And, and, and so the bottom line is, is this, that you get doctors coming out of school, opening businesses that know really nothing about business. And that, that was me. I mean, even though I went and worked for somebody who, quote unquote, owned a business, it's very realistic that the own, business owned them. Because the reality was, is when I actually got into my own business, I was owned by my business for many, many years until I actually discovered that there was an actual model to becoming a real CEO of a business, a medical type practice. So my journey really began 15 years ago as a CA, and then I was a student, then I was an associate. Then I was an owner of an office, but I really had a job. And I think this is going to resonate with a lot of the Kairos that are listening to this podcast because what I see as I look around the profession right now is what I saw when I came out of practice, you know, out of school 11 years ago, and what I saw even 15 years ago, which is that chiropractors are, are, have a job. They, they, they are there, and many of them are slaves in their practice. Their practices are so dependent on them that if they were to leave their practice for two weeks or a month, 
their practice would tank. I mean, new patients would plummet. Volume would go away. Retention would go away. Finances would, would, would plummet. So you don't really have a business then. You have a job. And you have a, you have a job that's so dependent upon you that if, if something was to ever happen, your business would value at $0 if you tried to sell it. Because it's, you're actually selling a company that has no real value because it's dependent completely upon you to actually do the service. And, and so, you know, for me, my journey was more painful than that because I actually came out and, you know, I watched chiropractors up on the big stages, you know, who are hitting these high volumes and doing these big things. And you're like, wow, that's it. Like, that's what I want to do. It sounds exciting. It looks exciting. It looks sexy. It looks cool. Man, I'm super motivated. So that's what I did. You know, I, I went after it. You know, I started practice. I was you know, about a half a million dollars in debt, and I woke up every single day afraid. I was weighing over my head, and the only solution I knew was to work, work, work. It's what I knew all my life. I was very familiar with that method uh, because that's how life was for me, and I was afraid of failing. So I worked and worked, and I traumatized my family, myself in the process, but definitely my family. I was working you know, 80, 90 hours a week, seven days a week, year after year, and I was cloaked in this noble position that I save lives and I'm going to change the world. But, you know, I convinced myself of that and I justified my position as a top 1% slave. I was adjusting over a thousand patient visits a week, every week, year after year by myself for almost a decade, 80 to 100 new patients every single month. I was screening all the weekends. I was speaking as much as possible. I was doing had multiple radio shows going on the weekends that I was doing live. I was training my team always to get better. I was always training myself, going to conferences, seminars, reading books. Um, but even after I experienced all this success, there was still this level of unfulfillment, unsatisfied, and feeling the weight of the world and feeling like I was a slave. I didn't know any other way. And when I looked around at my profession, this is what I saw people doing. All I knew was put your head down and go. You know, so I did that for more years, so more years of slavery and the illusion you know, that I'm being successful. But if you ask my wife, and if you ever want to know if you're successful, ask the spouse of the people or the kids of the people, right? Yeah, that's And true. so my, you know, my wife would tell you, she would say, um, she would say the truth, actually. She would tell you um, uh, she was married to a machine. Uh, she would call me a robot or a machine. Uh, she would say, Pete's not human. All he cares about is work. All he thinks about is work. Um, he's a slave to his patients and to his office. He's distant and unemotional. He's very rigid. Um, she would say there are glimmers of hope because we get weekends away and vacations. And, you know, I provided a good life maybe for our family. But the man that I wanted to spend my life with and um, the person I wanted to be there for my kids, you know, um, you know, mostly wasn't there. And, um, you know, my wife actually uh, left me on several occasions with the threat of divorce being a regular conversation for years. Um, you know, I lived in a crisis day after day because here I was up on stages speaking about my chiropractic success while my cell phone, I was getting texts from my wife, um, angry texts from my wife. And it looked like I had it all together on the outside. And from anybody looking from the outside from a professional standpoint, I had it. The million dollar cash practice, thousands of patients a week. At one point I had you know, four doctors, huge team working with me and for me. But I was still a slave even in that moment, in those days. Um, you know, I don't need to get in a lot of more of the detail, details, but I always tell people I was the poster boy for slavery in the chiropractic profession. I was driven by money, by success, by fame, by helping people 
but mainly it was the approval of man, the acceptance and praise of people. You know, I wanted to be the best. I wanted that, but I was ultimately a slave. But it was, you know, God rescued me, you know, about five years ago. And it actually came through crisis, Billy. I, uh, you know, we have five kids, my wife and I. So, you know, 10 year, 11 years we've been married, you know, different, a lot of moves, practices, uh, a lot of babies. And every child that we've had, um, you know, has put my wife nearly to the, into her grave. You know, she has a, really rough pregnancies. And it was, I think, when we were pregnant with our fourth child, uh, that, that things really began to ultimately shift for me, where I made a decision to stop going to my office all the time and actually stay home and support my family, because I actually had doctors who could help me in my practice. So I let them kind of work, and I was, I was at home. I was spending more time with my family. And we you know what I watched in one quarter, the first quarter of the year? I watched my practice volume drop in a third. I watched my, um, you know, my collections drop in a third. And I'll tell you right now, if you own a business and you lose a third of your income, that's usually your income, right? Right. So all of, a, all of a sudden I went from, you know, I had a good life, I had a good income, and all of a sudden I'm like, dude, I can't even, I'm not going to pay my bills. Um, and it wasn't that I didn't have a big practice, I just had big overhead because I built a big practice with a pretty big overhead, which again, that's a whole other conversation. But um, so I began this journey of, do I go back in, Billy, and pick it up? Do I go back in and throw that thing on my back and do what I knew how to do before? Or was this, you know, an awakening moment? Was just God actually grabbing me, you know, by my hair, by my shoulders, pinning me up against the wall in a loving way, saying, son, like, no more of this behavior. Like, this is not how I want you to act. This is not righteousness. This is not good stewardship over the, the thing that I've given you, this chiropractic principle, but this chiropractic practice. So, I began on a journey of researching and, and trying to figure out, okay, is there a better way to do practice? And I didn't find anything in the chiropractic profession. There was nothing. There was no good counsel that I could find. So I went outside the profession and actually found, I found counsel through a group called C12. Um, it's, a, it's a group of Christian CEOs, and it's been around for a couple decades. And I, I joined this mastermind group, this group of Christian CEOs. And none of them were chiropractors, but I started to get my butt handed to me, so to speak, um, by CEOs who were looking at my what my life and my business and my personal life and all this and they were kind of tearing me apart in a sense because I I just had a huge mess on my hands and I wasn't doing a good job um, and they and it was exposed to me a lot of these things that I had already known but uh, I began on this journey, healing journey and also this journey of learning and then applying implementing and then experiencing the fruit and the last few years have just been incredible for me because I've actually been able to become the CEO of my business where my practice works for me. Um, I have an amazing practice, amazing team, amazing leaders. Um, you know, big things are happening, but I'm not a slave. I experience freedom every single day of my life. Uh, I work hard, but I'm not a slave. Um, I feel like I'm the most effective I've ever been. I feel like my team is the most effective, most fulfilled they've ever been. My family, my wife, my kids, the most fulfilled we've ever been. I feel like we have a life. I don't just have a job where my whole life revolves around my career, but actually we have a life. I have a great job, great career, but I have a great life, which, I mean, I, I would guess most chiropractors, you know, who own a business want to have a great life, you know, they don't want to necessarily work for somebody, but hey, I, you know, a lot of times you work for your business, so you feel like you just got your self-employment. Um, so so that that's, I don't know if that answers your general question there, but that that's kind of what I wanted, I shared at the uh, at the event, that's really kind of my story. And then, you know, I have some very specific things that I walked through 
that actually helped me transition. And I can share any of those with you if that if that would add value. Yeah, um, that, that's what I was going to ask next. What what changed? If you had a team already, what was it? But because it sounds like you had stuff in place, yeah, you know, and people there already that should be able to sustain yep. uh, your practice. But for whatever reason, without your leadership, that wasn't there. What what was that change? Well, I think you just made a good point. I just want to echo it. It was my leadership, right? So I didn't actually. I was quote unquote the boss and leading the office, but I really wasn't doing a great job leading Billy. Because a lot, of, I had thought that leadership means it, I carry the control and the burden of it. Actually, leadership is sharing the burden and control. Yeah, that's good. That was a huge change for me. You know, I realized that there's three types of employees. You have, you know, so you have an employee. You have somebody that works for you, and that's a job. Then you and I call those employees. Then you have team members. That's somebody who works with you. But then you have owners, and this is somebody who works for themselves. And, and what I was looking for was to raise up people that were actually going to take ownership of the business. In other words, if you worked at the front desk, you own it. Like, you don't work for me at my front desk. You work for yourself at the front desk. And you report to me, and I, I'm here to help you win at the front desk. I'm here to help train you, equip you, support you, um, encourage you, you know, but it's your job. Like you own that. That's your position. That's your business within the business. And I started to break down my business into businesses within the business. And, and that's really kind of where we started to develop the, the model that we actually employ here in Cairo CEO. We train other chiropractors to start employing this model because what it does is it not only frees you up to be the CEO and to do the things that you're supposed to be doing and only you can do, but it frees up your team to truly succeed at the highest level that they can. It also exposes the team members that maybe are in the wrong position or just don't need to be there. So there's a lot of fruit. So there are five specific steps that I have taken that I teach uh, doctors and the, the owners of practices to, to do. The number one step was and is an identity shift. You know, I was reading um, somewhere about identity theft. Actually, it was the 2017, I think, identity fraud study, and they – they said that um, uh, billions of dollars, somewhere around $16 billion were, were stolen in identity from people like in 2016 or 15. That's crazy. They said over $107 billion have been stolen. And, and you and I both know, Billy, if someone gets their identity stolen, I mean, it, it's a life wrecker. Right. I mean, it will wreck your life. I mean, if you get your identity stolen, you talk about just train wreck and, 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 and the, the, you know, the, the, domino effect of that. I mean, it can take a long time for people to recover. And many people you know, really have a hard time ever recovering from stuff like that. You know, and then, I, and then I remember this TED talk from Brene Brown and I shared this at the event, Chirofest, which was, she did a TED talk at Houston in 2010. She talked about, and she's like a, 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 a behavioral or relationship person. She's like a sociologist type person, I guess, or psychologist. And anyway, so she did a talk on the power of vulnerability and she actually said, she talked about like DNA and, and, and how people are human beings are wired in their DNA and how we're actually wired. Um, you know, we look at beliefs a lot of times. And what she said was actually beliefs determine behaviors. But she said there's something that actually determines beliefs, and that's actually the feeling of belonging, which a lot of that is like being loved and being accepted and being approved, which there's a lot there. But what I discovered was that I, be I needed to know that I belonged as the CEO. And that's why step number one is knowing you belong in this role as CEO. 
you know, and at that point, I didn't really know what does the CEO role even look like. If you were to try to say define being a CEO, I, I wouldn't have known what that is. I actually had to go learn it. And what's the difference between being a CEO and being an employee? So I'll just kind of walk you through, and I, I've written a couple of these down because I, I feel like these are valuable, but these are the roles that only you can do. Like you carry the full responsibility as the CEO of your business. Number one is casting vision. And I always talk about recasting vision. You know, if you've ever been fishing, you don't just cast one time and just sit there and just hope for the best for three hours. You cast, you reel, you cast, you reel, you cast, you reel. You're always trying to catch, catch something. And I always tell people, visions are caught, not taught. So just because I say it once doesn't mean people get it. You got to catch a vision. It's, it's, it's at a heart level because it's not at a head. It's not the headspace. It's like BJ talks about educated intelligence versus innate. Your innate catches a vision. Your, your education, te- it's teachable, but doesn't catch things. It's at the level of the heart. It has to go deeper. So visions are caught. So you got to cast vision, recast vision. And a lot of times your vision expands and, and it becomes more, it becomes more clear as time goes on. So being able to do that. Number two is equipping your team. Your primary responsibility as a CEO is to equip your team. You don't necessarily expect them to go out and get training for themselves and read books for themselves and take courses for themselves to get better. No, your role as a CEO is to make sure they're being equipped and and constantly being able to get better and get poured into. Number three role is you're the person who creates the strategies. Although your staff members in certain positions owning certain parts of the company need to execute on the strategy, your job is to help implement, oversee, cast the vision, set it up so looking at strategies another one is systems so within the strategy creating the system for execution so i would say that's number four is creating systems and not any system billy because what i have learned is that there's a lot of let's say coaching that's out there that actually teaches you systems but it's dependent upon you as the doctor who owns it what i teach is systems that are that are independent of you as the doctor so as a ceo creating systems that are scalable means they're outside of your dependency you know another you see your role is culture your job is to actually build culture implement culture help manage culture you know another is measuring performance so looking at your team and looking at all the numbers not only the individual team members performance but your company's performance knowing the it doesn't mean you track all the data it means it's being tracked and it's being reported to you then you interpret the data and then you respond to the data and you respond to the people. So it's actually having the intelligence to be able to quantify things and then, and then analyze it and then, and then respond appropriately to optimize, right? And that's the job as a CEO, working with a, a team. And then, of course, I would say the last thing is managing partnerships, really the relationships that you have within your community um, that help you move your company forward. I mean, that, that's the role of the CEO. But what do I see most doctors doing, Billy, who are – business owners, they're performing services, they're running the marketing, they're selling their product and services, they're administrating, they're doing all these administrative tasks, they're running errands, they're managing their staff, they're you know, fulfilling very specific roles, they're, they're following directions. You know, th- these are things that employees do that are absolutely necessary for the company to win, but again, these are not your primary responsibility as a CEO. So really it was, first step was having my identity, knowing my identity as, as a CEO. That, that's absolutely step number one you know, to truly being a CEO. Um, step number two, which, which rolls really smoothly into this, is, you know, getting A players, hiring A players, or having A players on board. You know, I made a, uh, a, a, a little comment about that before, about the differentiation between an employee who has a job, a team member who, you know, is, is, is working alongside of you, 
and then, and then an owner who really takes ownership of their position. And uh, my goal is that, and my vision is that an A player in a company owns their position. They know what a win is. They know how to quantify their position. You know, too many chiropractic practices that I go into and I look at and I meet with these doctors and I analyze their businesses is they, they have all the, a lot of the pieces in place like I did, but there's, and maybe systems, but they're not quantifying. They're not measuring it. And they're not actually looking at the numbers and then coming back to their team members and actually effectively training them and um, adjusting things to help the business get better. So that's step number two. And there's a lot about team, but I'll kind of spare you those details. Number three is automating the marketing, Billy. And this is something I think you'd be passionate about because you're a marketer and you've done marketing for chiropractors. Um, you know, and, and you and I both know, hey, listen, I fell in love with screening. And I, I know you told me you had, you had a screening business. Um, and I think there's some value to screening, Billy. But I'll tell you, when I looked at my numbers from 2016, and I showed a, a glimpse of that at the event this past uh, winter at ChiroFest, and um, I realized that I don't really screen that much anymore, but yet my new patient numbers are up high. And I was realizing that the conversion rates of people from screening were a lot lower than people that came in through direct referrals or through my website, or through my Facebook ads, or through my infomercials on the radio, even through my dinner programs and health workshops. I was realizing that the lowest level patient, if I was to put them in a level, were coming through these hard, labor-intensive, expensive, team, working all the time, nights and weekends type um, responsibilities that weren't weren't scalable. Now you did a you had actually had a scalable business. Sounds like sounds like you could be hired out to do this for people. But I know a lot of chiropractors doing it themselves, and they're taking their front desk staff and their associate docs, sending them out, which means these guys are working overtime, and you're not even getting the best people. And, and so automating of marketing is, is so key to keeping your team's morale high, keeping your team's energy focused on serving patients in the office. So I actually highly recommend you know, scaling up and scaling out marketing as much as possible and hiring people that are the best in the world at doing this, partnering with them with your vision and your business and helping them help your community learn about you and get into your practice. You know, and that, that has to be the way. I mean, it's 2017. Those, the days of having to you know, grind, grind, grind on the ground, you, know, it's not, it's not, you don't have to be boots on the ground when, when you can be up in a chopper, you know? And the reality is, I always say, it's like being a, um, a blockbuster in a Netflix world. Why, why would you want to be blockbuster in a Netflix world? So, so the reality is we have to look at, um, you know, there's best practices. And, and so I'm not the, necessarily the guy who, who teaches and knows how to do automated marketing, but I surround myself with those people. I'll tell you that. I've hired those people. I've surrounded myself with those people because I need help with that. And uh, I recommend that every doctor who owns a practice does that. Otherwise, they're going to be continually live, waking up with, you know, cold sweats, wondering where their next new patient's going to come from, um, wondering what they're going to have to do to try to figure out how to keep people coming in. Two more. Can, can you handle two more, yep. Billy? Yep, let's go. Um, number four, scaling systems. So I always tell people the system that works is the one that works without me. That's the, that's the only time I've got a system. If As long as I'm dependent, I'm a, I'm cognitive, and I am literally, you know, I'm, I'm preventing that wheel from rolling forward. Um, so I, I look at every system in my practice and I say, outside of being the CEO, and I say, okay, is this running without me? Can it run without me? So there's two types of practice. I say there's one that could run without you. Well, there's three. One that's not running without you, one that could run without you, and one that 
is. So I had a practice that was number uh, level two. It could run without me. It just wasn't. I was I was a slave. I got so much value from adjusting everybody, doing all the doctor's reports, doing the screenings, doing everything. I, I got so much, you know, I got so much like energy from that that I was addicted to it. But I was I was dropping the ball in my life personally with my family. I was dropping the ball with my team. I wasn't getting the most out of my team. They were not as fulfilled as they could be because they there was so much more potential in them. So the third level practice is saying the practice is working without me. Um, and, and that to me is the, that, that that's only possible if you scale your systems. You know, I love, I love the, um, I love Mark Batterson. I don't know if you've read any of his books in a pit with a lion on a snowy day, all in, 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 a, in a pit with a lion on a snowy day, he says, um, and this is, this is a great word for anybody who's an owner of a business. It says you can have faith or you can have troll control, but you can't have both. That's pretty convicting. I was a control freak. I really was. I was, I want to control of everything. And then the next part of the quote says, if you want to see God do something off the chain, you have to let go of the control. And, and what I've witnessed in my life, Billy, over the last few years especially, is as I've relinquished control, I have seen God just do some amazing things, bigger than I could have ever imagined. And it's simply because I actually said, I'm going to let go of control. Now, I didn't let it go and crash. I let it go and I handed it to people. So there was a real step approach. That's why in my program, Kairosio, we take people through a course of actually going through this process of you know, transitioning into the CEO role very effectively without your practice falling apart like mine did initially. You know, um, it doesn't have to be that catastrophic, you know, traumatic type event. Um, and then there's another quote. Um, you know, he says, Mark Batterson in, in the book All In, he says, you know, we want God to do something new while we keep doing the same old thing. Things have to change, yeah, Billy. That's good. We, 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 can't, we can't keep doing the same old thing. So last piece of this is implementing scoreboard in your business, scorecards for your players and playbooks for every system. You know, I'm a, I'm a sports guy. So, I, you know, you, you go on the sideline during a bat, NBA basketball game, college basketball game. What does the coach do when he pulls out his chair? Everybody gets around him. He gets out his little board and he what? Draws stuff out. Playbook. NFL, you watch the college football NFL that's, you know, going on. What are they doing? They're looking at scorecards and playbooks the whole darn time. While at the same time, what's directing what they're doing with their playbook is what? what it says on the scoreboard. They're staring at that scoreboard and they're looking to their playbook and they're making what? Adjustments throughout the game so that they can what? Win. But how many of our businesses, we're actually looking at the scoreboard day in and day out. We're looking at the playbooks. We know the scorecards of the people. We know who needs to come into the game, who needs to get out of the game, who needs to move the position in the game. We got to do that. That's our role as a CEO. You, know, you, can't, you can't escape that. You know, and so we say it in Kairosio, we say what you measure tends to improve. And, you know, you can't improve what you can't measure. So everything that matters in your business needs to be measurable, quantifiable, and it needs to be reported and it needs to be objectified. It needs to be looked at. So then you can go back in and you can start training and creating systems and optimizing it. And so that, that I just gave you basically what we do in Cairo CEO. I mean, that, that is exactly what we walk through because that's exactly what my journey was in practice to going from what I call being a slave to a CEO. And without, you know, losing income, without losing my, my soul, um, you know, I have an amazing life, an amazing practice and all that because I was able to do those very specific five things. So, I mean, that, that's my business in a nutshell. And that, that's what we, we try to help chiropractors do um, in their practice. You know, that's so good because even in my business, um, you know, I started almost by accident doing Facebook marketing for doctors. 
And then as it grew, I just really felt like it still needed to be me doing everything from getting the, the new business from setting up all the campaigns and following up and doing all this stuff. There's a cap to that business model. And one, it was driving me crazy because we were getting success. We're getting referrals and we're doing all this, but I just literally couldn't do it all myself. And it's hard to just be able to say, okay, I'm going to train you. Now I want you to do this one now. And I, you know, and we started with my son who's in college I was like, look, you know, and it was funny because all through high school, his later years in high school, junior and senior year, I was like, look, you need to learn how to do some of this stuff so you don't have to go out and get a real job when you're in school. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But, you know, at that age, you've got it all figured out, you know. But it wasn't until he was home during Christmas break last year. Um, I was like, look, I will pay you X amount of dollars to set up this campaign. I've already got training to show you how to do it. Okay, I'm done. Where, what do I do? You know, and now he does a lot of it. And then we hired another lady from our church who, uh, and we've trained her up and she's just doing a phenomenal job, but all of a sudden I can breathe, but it's hard to let other people, it is hard to let go sometimes. And I can just imagine from, you know, even being from the chiropractic owner standpoint, you have to, if you want to grow and you want to get to that other level and keep your hair, you've got to be able to delegate. And it's not always easy to do. This is really, really good stuff. So tell us a little bit more about uh, Cairo CEO, where they can find out more information about it. And then also I want to talk about uh, the 10X doctor. Yeah, so Cairo CEO um, is the company that we birthed. I actually partnered with uh, my best friend, uh, Dr. Josh Axe. And, you know, because I shared with him my vision, he watched my journey going through this. And actually, he had a very similar journey in scalingdoctorax.com from being a huge weight on his shoulders to really building a team. We were doing it simultaneously without even knowing it. Um, and then when we actually connected again on, on business stuff and really talked through and I shared with him, it was like, wow. So we actually started a company called Cairo CEO where we, um, you know, we provide a basically a curriculum and a course for doctors uh, owners of businesses, specifically chiropractors, to become CEOs of, of their practices. So we we created this business. So we created a curriculum and modules for doctors to go through, basically walking through a lot of these things that I, I kind of laid out, which was we just dive into it deeper. And then part of that program, we actually do, um, we're doing masterminds. So doctor, because what we found is, Billy, is that, you know, getting on a, on a conference call and kind of listening can be helpful. It can be. Um, but what we found is that when doctors actually get in, a, in a, on a call within a group and there's actual like a real curriculum and there's a real outline for the day and there's actually actions and there's actually preparation coming into it, we're seeing that doctors are actually working what we call on their business, Billy. Right. Because here's the thing. What's hard for doctors to find time in their schedule to work on their business. And the other thing we find is they don't know what to do. Like how, what should I be doing working on my business? Maybe read another book. But it's like information but no transformation. So what we say is – Every week when we meet with our doctors, you're going to get into your, your group, your mastermind group of X number of doctors. It's a smaller group. Uh, and you're going to work on your practices together. Like you're going to work on your businesses. And so that's kind of our model. We found that that one-two punch of you know, you know, having a, kind of this, this, this drip of just great content and, and modules and kind of a course, taking a doctor through to become the CEO, combined with weekly 
an hour a week, let's just say, working on your business with other with a group of like-minded CEOs or people that want to be the CEO is the most effective way to do, to do this. So that, that's what Cairo CEO is. And we have other services that we provide within the business. We don't have to talk about that now, but that's what Cairo CEO is. And, and you can find out about it if you go to, uh, I believe it's Cairo-CEO.com. Yes, um, that's it. I'm looking at it right yeah. now. Okay, Cairo-CEO.com. Yeah. Uh, 10X Doctor Summit is um, is an event that actually we're doing uh, this year in Nashville, October 13th and 14th. And um, and we're, we're really pumped about this. I'm calling this a mastermind super conference because, you know, typically when you go to big chiropractic conferences or conferences in general, you sit in your seat and you listen to speaker, 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 speaker. You get pumped up. You get fired up. You take a, 10 pages of notes. And then you go home on Monday and everybody says, what are you going to do on Monday? And you're like, ah, where do I start, right? So because we've done that for so long, um, I have and Josh and our profession, uh, we decided that we we're going to do, we we're going to completely cut that thing in half. So we're going to do half speakers, half mastermind. And so what I tell doctors is, hey, here's the deal. I know you like to get away for the weekend, go to Nashville, hang out, relax, go to a conference, chill out. Listen, you're coming to work on your business. Yeah, we're going to have some fun. Yeah, we're going to relax. Yeah, there's going to be some time. But man, you're coming to work on your business with some of the best thought leaders within our profession. You know, we've got, you know, Dr. Dan Sullivan, who's a dear friend of mine, going to be there. Dr. Billy DeMoss, Dr. Chris Zeno, Dr. Joel Bohemier, uh, Dr. Kathy uh, Colby, um, uh, Dr. Isaac Jones. Uh, I think I said Dr. Chris Zeno. Uh, Josh is going to be there. Um, the president of Josh's company is going to be there. Myself, Dr. Dave Tuo. So we really feel like we're going to be able to hit on a lot of things that, um, uh, and there may be other speakers. I hope I didn't leave anybody off, but. Um, you know, we're, we're looking at during this event to say, Billy, let's lift up the hood of your business together in a safe place. Nobody's getting like, you know, you know, nobody's going to be, you know, burned at the stake or whatever. Like we're just going to look at the businesses together and we're going to start working on our business and we're going to kind of hear some things from different speakers who have a passion about and a expertise in certain areas of the business. And we're just going to start diving into the business. So that, that's what this event's all about. Um, it's really working on your, on your business really transferring into that mindset of, hey, I'm going to be the CEO. Your CAs are, I guess, welcome, but we're really focusing more on the owner and the, and the office manager. The manager of the business, which we really look at that person as being like the president of your company, the person who really helps run the business, um, that person wants to come, great. But if, if, if anybody should be there, it should be the doctor who's the owner um, so they can really work on their business that they own. And again, we're not only working with doctors who have chiros, we're looking at doctors who straight chiropractices, but doctors who also have, let's say, maybe a functional medicine or integrative or even virtual practices, they're welcome because we have experts in all those fields. Josh obviously is an expert in virtual practice because he built a $100 million company. So he's somebody who's going to be speaking, teaching what he's done. And so if you have an online business, you can work with that. Dr. Isaac Jones as well has done that. You know, guys like Dr. Crisano has built one of the largest chiropractic practices in history. He's going to walk through things that he's done. Myself as well, teaching what I've done in building a huge practice, but also how to become the CEO Dr. Dan Sullivan, all the things that he's been able to do online and in practice. So Billy DeMoss puts on the biggest chiropractic event. You know, it, there's, there's going to be a lot of really good things of, you know, words of wisdom and and uh, insights that I think we can all learn from. Like I, when I'm at ChiroFest, you know, I'm sitting there taking notes all the time. You know, I was there taking tons of notes in the back. And I had my actions, my one goal, one action, leaving that event. I've already actually followed up with a few of the things that I was looking to do to implement into my current practice and some things to do for myself personally. You know, I'm starting to build, you know, different relationships with people like yourself that I feel like is so important for our profession. How can we advance this profession forward, Billy? What you offer in your business is so important that if you could scale your business and help 
10 times as many chiropractors as you currently do, that'd be huge for our profession. We'd reach so many more people. That's a big yep. deal. It is. So to yeah. me, it's like, hey, if you could do that, dude, all we're going to do is help all the boats rise. More people get influenced. We become more profitable, more influential as doctors. Our patients are more successful. Our business are more successful. Everybody wins. Um, so again, that, that's kind of uh, – that's a little bit about the 10X. And, and, I, and the, the website is the number 10, the letter X, doctor.com. So the 10xdoctor.com. Great. I'm going to put a link in the show notes and we'll get this email out, emailed out to our list whenever um, – well, as soon as the show goes live. As people are cool. listening, it's already live, but – uh, we're recording this beforehand. So, uh, Dr. Pete Camiolo, thank you so much for taking the time out of your day, um, you know, to share with the audience, great information. And I love what you, how you guys are setting up this event. And just like what you said from Cairo Fest is you've got to be able to take action. And I say this all the time. The difference between knowledge and wisdom is action. You can yeah. know all the stuff, but until you – wisdom is action. You have to be able to apply it and use it. So uh, I encourage all the docs listening, apply what we talked about here. Uh, check out Cairo CEO. Check out the 10X Doctor Summit. Uh, great stuff. Thank you for all you guys are doing. Thank you, uh, Billy. God bless you, man. Well, you've just listened to another episode of Cairo Candy. For the show notes to this episode and all the other shows, head on over to CairoCandy.com. Now, if you're ready to take your practice to the next level and you want to use Facebook to do it, or maybe you've used Facebook before, but you've never had the results that you're looking for, or maybe you've used other people to do Facebook marketing for you and you just haven't been satisfied, head on over to CairoCandy.com and check out our free Facebook marketing training. I go through several different key mistakes that I see doctors all over the world making when it comes to Facebook marketing, and I show you some key strategies and tips that we're using to help chiropractors take their business to the next level and increase the impact in their community. Once again, go to chirocandy.com and check out our free Facebook marketing training. We are currently working in over 40 different chiropractic offices all over the world all over the U.S., Australia, Canada, and we see what's working and what's not. And in this training, I'm going to point out what's working and why it's working. We'll see you next week on another episode of Cairo Candy. See you.